Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati, and your Dana Levine. Order up! This week's ep dives into bite-sized junk food astrology goodness. From rising signs to the houses and other delicious morsels to satisfy your astro hunger. We reco an inspiring Insta page to fill your feed and a kitchen must-have. And then Jordana guesses the natal chart of Australia's first female Prime Minister. We wrap the ep up chatting reflectors in human design. I've got to say, Julia Gillard is a rogue celeb natal chart hole. It honestly wasn't planned. <laughs> I was saying to Jordan this morning, guys, I looked up Reese Witherspoon because Jordan and I watched that new show. What's it called? I actually have no idea, but it was freaking annoying. Declutter your the, life. Yeah, it was like the tidying up one, but those women were just very extra. They were, they were neck lab. I'd love to know their charts. But anyway, <laughs> I thought Reese Witherspoon because we watched her wardrobe get done and then somehow that led me to Julia Gillard. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can connect the dots. Not. I, don't, I don't think anyone ever will be able to. But anyway, it's an interesting chart, so get excited. Okay, I am excited. I, I actually, I, I didn't want to say this, but I think I know her son sign just from conversations in the past. But we'll just save it. We'll save it. That's fine. That's cool. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm, I like that she's a leader. Anyway, we'll save it for the segment. It's, anyway. <laughs> Jord, yeah. you've got notes coming out left right and center because you're teaching us everything today well i think the thing is there's a, been a few gaps in the junk food astrology apps that we've done but they are not enough to dedicate whole episodes to so i thought we could just have an episode where we're kind of just filling in all the gaps for everyone um like we've said before this is junk food astrology and a lot of the things that you guys have been requesting we talk about a very convoluted and complicated and i just mm. don't think it's the time and place uh to we gotta read the room on the potty <laughs> yeah well it's just um it's too it's too layered you know like you can't just give an explanation without all the other pe- pieces of the puzzle so um we're gonna do our best today and holly ask me as many questions as you like but i can't guarantee i'll have the answer this is fine. I love this. Consider these canapes, guys. And the first plate that I'm seeing across the room is the plate of Where rising did this sun. Analogy come from? Did you dream I, it up? In I just your came up with night? it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? Yes. <laughs> I'm a visual learner. So th- this plate is the plate of rising signs, George. Because we've realised we haven't actually spoken about these before, have we? We haven't spoken about rising signs before because I kind of, I don't know, I feel like when we did the um, sun signs, which we did, right? Yeah. yeah. Did we? I mean, I'm sure we did. When we did the sun signs, it, it look, the, the energy of each uh, sign is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's just different when it's your rising because rising in your chart means different things 
to your son. So what oh. what I thought we'd do is we'd start from the very beginning of why your rising sign is in the sign that it's in and what oh. it means, the fact that it's an ascendant. Okay. So please. when you're born, we know this from our chart, when we ask what time you were born, it's really so we can work out your ascendant mm. and your moon. But the, the reason it's your ascendant is because the ascendant sign changes roughly every two hours, depending on your location. Sure. And if you think about the fact that there's 12 signs, if it's moving every two hours, that gives us a full 24-hour period. Of course. Okay. So what, what is actually happening is that sign is coming over the eastern horizon. So it's rising at the oh. moment you were born. Right. Okay, because the sun rises from the east, so it's whatever sign is rising yeah, as so, you're born. Yes, but it's rising across the horizon. So it's your ascendant. It's your rising sign. So for people like me who have the same rising as their sun sign, yeah. it's a very clear indication that I was born within a two-hour period of sunrise on the 6th of June, 1984. Wow, okay. So if you're trying to work out someone's time of birth and you don't know, um, sorry, and you know they're rising, which I don't know why you'd need to work that out, but let's just say you were being a detective. Um, You could say, okay, so your rising is Cancer and you're a Gemini, so it's likely you were born in the morning, just after oh, sunrise. Okay, this is so. It's. Do you know what? It makes my mind go because this is very scientific and mathematic, isn't it? In the way that it all works. Well, yeah, that's astrology is mathematics. Mm. That's what your natal chart is. So, mm. for example, here's another example. If you were a Taurus rising and you're a Gemini, you would be born just before the sun rose on the whatever birthday your birthday is. Right. So I'm Gemini rising and I'm a Leo. I was born at three in the morning. So, yeah, so like before just before sunrise. sunrise. That makes sense. Okay. So the difference between rising and ascendant, they're both the same terms. There's no right or wrong term to use. They're interchangeable. Is they're that right? absolutely interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. So okay. the earth spins on its own axis, taking 24 hours to spin a complete revolution. So that's why it's two hours, 12 signs, 24 hours. And as we spin on the earth, all the planets seem to circle us. And this is noticeable on a daily basis with the sun rising, right? You see the sun rise in the east in the morning and you see it set in the west in the evening. Totally. And just like the sun, even though we can't see the other planets, they also appear to be moving around the earth. And the signs do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So so let's use Gemini as an example, just because it's me. And it's Mm. all about me. (laughs) <laughs> the, the sign of Gemini might be coming over the horizon at 6am, but by midday, midday, Gemini is directly above us. Right. And it's this rotation of the earth on its axis, which will determine which backdrop will be located on the ascendant when we're born. This is why it really matters that you know when you were born. And if you don't know, then you're only going to get a partial chart read, right? Yeah. And the ascendant is super important because it's really the identity and its function is very evident in your day-to-day life. Okay. So it's pretty much, we, we say it's like the mask that you wear or the shell that you wear, but it's it's basically the... Um, it's like the encasing of you. It's what people see. It's the body which you were born into, mm. and it's how you action it. Right. Okay, so it really is a defining 
ch- uh, placement for you in your chart. Absolutely. Okay. And it's why I think it's so easy for other people to see your ascendant. Right, of course. It, it, do you find ascendants in people the easiest to read, like the easiest to place? I I tend to always guess someone's ascendant before their son. Like I just assume their ascendant is their son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I like I thought you were a Gemini when I first met you. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And what? You, oh, sorry. sorry. I've just got so many questions. Um, because what I get confused about is the difference between the sun and the rising because they feel very similar. So I'm just going to talk it out and you can tell me if I've got this wrong. But your rising is what other people see in you. It's the way you present. And your sun is your intrinsic personality. Is that right? And how you express yourself. Okay. Okay. Sure. So the ascendant can often represent your physical appearance and the way you approach life in general. It represents, so it represents the way people see you, but it also represents the lens through which you see the world. Uh Aha. So it goes both ways. Yeah. But the, the way that it differs from your son. Yeah. It's an intrinsic part of you. It's the way you express yourself, but not everyone identifies as their son. And this is why it's important you get your full natal chart read because you are not just your sun sign. No, absolutely. So here's a thing that I think people don't realize. Mm. And we're going to talk about houses in a minute. But the ascendant is always in the first house. Okay, so your ascendant will dictate the other areas of your chart where all the other planets fall into specific houses because the ascendant is always in the first house. Mm, so if you guys have no idea what houses are, as George said, we're going to talk about it in a sec, but if you pull up your co-star, all those numbers on the right-hand side are the numbers of your houses. But So what does, I guess, I mean, I see this other platter coming around and it looks like it's a delicious house platter. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to take a morsel of that, George. What am I eating here? I hope this platter's on the house. <laughs> can, you, can you explain houses to us? Because I have no idea what they are. And what okay, they are. so houses are very confusing and convoluted. There's a lot to them, and I'm not going to go into each specific house. But the houses can be split into mm. four quadru- quadrants, and we will talk about that. So the houses are sections of the sky as seen from the Earth's perspective. There are 12 Mm -hmm. houses and they're named from first house to 12th house. (laughs) Um, The houses are subject to a specific location on earth and are aligned with the horizon and the meridian. So they're the highest and lowest points of your natal chart. Due to this fact, the houses can vary in their size, but there will always be 12. So I don't know if many people know this, but your, uh, your zodiac sign... They're, they mm. occupy 30 degrees of space. Okay, so when you mm-hmm. look at your natal chart, mm-hmm. it's a 30 degree of space of where the sign sits in the, in the sky. Sure. While the houses will occupy a different number of degrees depending on the birth location. So it looks like a pie. So if you have your natal chart actually as the chart and not as a table, like the mm. actual circular chart, if mm. you look at it, you'll see all the houses. They're not necessarily equal sizes, mm. um, but there's still 12 pieces. 
Yeah, okay. so some some houses might have more degrees than other houses. But see, this stuff, guys, doesn't matter. Let it go over your head. It's very confusing. <laughs> That's literally what I just did. Could you see my my eyes glaze over as I was going, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just walk through them, okay? So your first house, your ascendant is always in the first house. We can split the houses into quadrants, so there's four of them. For mm-hmm. the first group of houses, we've got houses one to three, and we're going to go through each house. I'll tell you what each house signifies. But the first three houses signify the self. Okay. So this deals with developing a healthy operational functioning of the self. Okay. Then we've got the second group of houses. They represent houses four to six, and mm-hmm. this represents self-extension. So okay. deals with developing self-expression and learns to give from the self. So we're going through a life cycle as we go through this. Yeah, we've got the self, then we're mm-hmm. extending from the self. Mm-hmm. The third houses are seven to nine. So mm-hmm. the seventh house to the ninth house. And this deals with interaction. It deals with stepping outside the identity and learns by working through others. Okay. And then we have the last set of houses, which is house 10 to house 12. And this is all about integration. It deals with stepping outside the identity and learns by working into the world as part of the whole. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go through each of the houses. But before we do, I think it's really important to know how the house's significance differs from, say, the sign significance or the planet significance. And it can be broken down in a really simple way. So the planets, so Venus, Mars, Mercury in your chart, represent a function or drive. They ask the question, what? Mm. The signs have a clear objective and flavor. They ask the question, how? Okay. The houses represent a particular terrain, and you'll come to learn those terrains in a minute. They ask the question, where? So where in your life are you going to feel the impact of your Virgo, your Venus in Virgo? Right. And what house is your Venus in Virgo hole? It's third house. Okay. So as we go through, maybe we'll use that one as an example. When we get to the third house, we can have a look at where in your life you'll feel the impact of the what, the planet of Venus, of love, of beauty, of art, and the sign of Virgo, how it plays out. Oh, my God, this is so cool. Yes, let's do that. So it's making sense now. Yes, yes. Okay, so let me just bring up my chart so we don't miss anything. You're doing such a good job of this. It's so convoluted. It's so convoluted. Um, okay. So the first house now, this is also, I think where it gets a little bit confusing, but I find it very exciting. So we're just going to roll with it. Cool. So the first house is the house of self action. Okay. It's ruled by the sign Aries and by the planet Mars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we know that Mm -hmm. Mars is the, is the ruler of Aries And the first house's traits are very similar to Aries traits. However, it's about where. So it's the terrain. So this is the terrain of identity in action. Right. So you know that Aries is very much I am, you know, it's very much about, no, it's I will. Sorry, the mantra for Aries is I will. So it's very much about me, me, me. So this this is the terrain of 
I am in action. So identity in action. Yeah. And that, I guess that makes sense why everyone's ascendant is in that house because yes. that's what it is, right? Perfect. It's where we explore the identity and face the world. Sure. Yeah. It deals with asserting ourselves and directing ourselves. Okay. It also wow. defines us as an independent functioning entity, craving our desires and having them met. Love this. Yeah. So if you look at your ascendant, what's yours hold? Gemini. Gemini. So if we look at Gemini uh, in the first house as your identity and how you face the world, mm. does that feel true to you? How you assert and direct yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely am playing out my ascendant. I'm a communicator. I like to think I'm a little bit witty. Um, and all <laughs> Well, of the... I mean, with the whole food analogy. I <laughs> <laughs> can't write this shit. Uh, I relate so much to Gemini traits. I think that's why I call lots of Geminis into my life as well, because I can feel it at an intrinsic level. Absolutely. And what's so funny about us, whole is that we actually um, attract Gemini risings. Yes. I mean, you, you do have a lot of Gemini suns, but collectively we've got a lot of Gemini risings in our life. So many Gemini risings. If they're not a Gemini, they're likely a Gemini rising. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, mm. so we'll move on. The second house. Okay. It's the house of self-value. It's ruled by Taurus and the planet Venus. And this is the terrain of values, worth, and resources. So very Taurian. Mm. The sec- I have three planets in the second house. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about it. What planets are they? My sun, my Mars, and my Mercury. Oh, wow. Okay. So the second house works on two very distinct levels. On an external level, it works with material resources, particularly money, how we deal with it and the importance placed on it. Yes. Um, so your income, personal earnings, possessions, all of that sort of stuff. On a totally. personal level, it deals with, and we know this whole because this came up in a different discussion, it deals with self-worth. <laughs> what you have to offer and what makes you valuable and cultivate within yourself. Oh my God, it's intrinsic. This so this includes sense. skills, talents, and attributes. Self-esteem issues are addressed in the second house terrain. So what are your planets again, hon? Sun, Mars, and Mercury. Yeah. I'm playing out my chart. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, interesting. Okay, so the third house. The third house is the house of self-communication. Whoa. It's ruled by Gemini and um, the planet that rules this house is Mercury. Mm. So this is the terrain of communication and perception in the immediate environment. Have you got anything in the third house? Yeah, so this is where my Venus in Virgo is in the third house. (sighs) Okay. So the third house is learning environments, communication, information transmission, and our basic perceptions of life. Wow. Um, So it deals with all areas in life where information is being transported. So think like schooling, writing, teaching, uh, the media, podcasting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But also how we perceive situations and take in information. So it's very Mercury ruled, like I said. It's got that very Mercury energy and Gemini energy. I have a question about that, George. So say someone's looking at that chart and they're like, oh, I have a Gemini placement in the third house and the third house is ruled by Gemini. Does that have any amplification on the placement or does it not really mean anything? Well, remember the house is the where. 
Right. So whatever the Gemini planet is that they have, this is where it's going to play out within their self-communication. Sure. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. But yes, it's amplified. So cool. I don't have any, I don't have my chart up. Hang on. I don't think I have anything in the third house, which is lucky because I've got so much fucking Gemini everywhere else. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I do. I've got my, oh yeah, that'd be right. I've got my Virgo moon, which is also ruled by Mercury <laughs> in the third house. <laughs> Fuck Mercury. <laughs> I love that for you. Thanks so much. Um, Okay, let's keep going because it's going to take forever otherwise. The fourth house is the foundation of the self. So ruled by cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the planet that rules cancer? Oh, the moon. The moon. The moon. This is the terrain of family, roots, the past, and the early emotional environment. So very Cancerian, right? Um, Have you got anything in the fourth household? I do, my Libra moon. Oh, babe. (laughs) Doesn't it make you want to cry? It does. It really does. The fourth house deals with our foundational selves and from where we derive. It's our home life, our parents, particularly our father and family and its emotional influence on us. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I feel so seen, guys. It's like I'm getting a full-blown natal chart reading right now. I know. I'm so sorry. Okay, let's keep going. The fifth cool. house is the expression of the self. So what's this one, Hole? Uh, expression of... Oh, Leo! Yeah, Leo. Oh, I love that. Ruled by the sun. This is the terrain of creativity and the love of life. So I don't have anything in the fifth house, do you? Oh, no, I'm lying. Yes. I've got everything in the fifth house. No, do you? I, I, no, no, I've just got my Scorpio placement. So... Saturn and Mars. So what you will notice when you look at your chart, which you've already noticed, is if you've got several signs in, sorry, several planets in one sign, they're all going to be in the same house, obviously, because that's where the sign was at the time of your birth. Does that make sense to you now? Yes, that really does make sense to me now. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, because you have so much in Virgo, Mm. they're all going to be in the same house they're in two and then in three so it must have been like a quick move does oh, that it must have, yeah it must have been moving at the time yeah oh, that's so cool oh the other thing you've got to remember is that all the planets move at different uh paces, paces. yeah mm. um so the i've got three planets in gemini but my ascendant is in gemini so although my I've got Gemini in the first house. I've also got Venus and my Gemini son in the 12th house. Okay. But okay. it's the house just next to one, really, because it goes in. That makes circle. sense. See? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So where were we? Oh, yeah. Fifth I've house. got Scorpio Mars and Scorpio Saturn in the fifth house, which is Leo. The fifth house terrain is the expression of giving life through the self. Anything that you can give life to is a fifth house event. Oh. It could be a creative venture, a baby, or a smile. Oh. Yeah. This arena thrives on love, joy, and the positive response to its generosity. Oh, I just love it. Interesting. So, for example, let's use my Scorpio in Mars as an example. There's a lot of intensity that comes with Scorpio in Mars. Yes. And I think that for me personally, I have found it hard to express it. Unless it's being uh, enjoyed or appreciated by the people I'm sharing it with. Makes sense. It does. Yeah. 
you got to feel like almost like safe and and even celebrated a little bit like appreciated yeah yeah okay it's like recognition looking for recognition in that yes yeah Yeah. can relate (laughs) (laughs) um okay the sixth house the sixth house the work of the self so this is virgo ruled by virgo ruled by mercury this is the terrain of giving from work or service the sixth house terrain is giving from the self through what you do it requires a particular skill, talent, or trade that has been learned, honed, and now must be served. So I think the sixth house is quite interesting because um, the terrain is quite clear. It's being of service. Yes. So do you do you have anything in your sixth house? None. Um, it's like I go one, two, three, four, five, and then jump to seven. But I'm actually grateful for that because I'm of service in so many other ways in my chart. I feel like if I had six health placements, I would just be a martyr. Totally, totally. <laughs> so thank you, natal chart. <laughs> so the planet that rules the sign on the ascendant is of major significance and is said to be the chart ruler. Oh. Its position in the chart gains extra strength and its energy is linked back to the ascendant, supporting the identity in action. Interesting. Let's use you as an example, Hull. You've got your Gemini ascendant. Yes. And the ruler of Gemini is Mercury. Yes. Your Mercury is in Virgo in the second house. Yes. So Mercury in the second house energy is of particular importance to your overall chart. So if you look at uh, Virgo energy, so we all know Virgo energy, we're living and breathing it at the moment, it's Virgo season, (laughs) in the second house, which is all about self-worth, self-esteem, it's the the value (laughs) you place on yourself. This is why I like the self-work so much. This is the energy pretty much of who you identify as. Okay, so, so what we do is we look at our rising sign, the planet that rules it, and what sign in our chart that planet is in, and what house that's in. Guys, it is very mathematic, but it makes sense. It actually makes so much sense. Yeah, so if we use mine as an example, I'm Mm. the same. So I've got a Gemini rising, so it's ruled by Mercury. My Mercury is in Taurus in the 11th house. We haven't got to the 11th house yet, so we'll get there now, and then we can work it out when we get there. Yeah. Okay, so the next house, we're moving to the 7th house now. Yes. The 7th house is blending through relationships. So it's ruled by Libra and the planet Venus. Beautiful. This is the terrain of equilibrium and balance within partnership. Ah. All my Capricorn placements are there, all three. Are in the seventh house. Yeah. Yeah, so the seventh house requires cooperation and compromise. Mm. This is the descendant house so your ascendant is where the sun was rising and then opposite that is the descendant oh so interesting yeah so my capricorns are all in the seventh house as well oh i love that um this is the descendant house so it deals primarily with relationship the most popular manifestation being that of marriage or the romantic union Uh uh-huh Um, Okay, so the eighth house. The eighth house is the house of transformation through merging. This is the terrain of intensifying and deepening within partnership. It's ruled by Scorpio (laughs) and the planet Pluto. 
The eighth house requires profound change through merging with another. This transformation manifests on three distinct levels, emotionally, psychologically, and materially. On an emotionally and sexual level, its terrain is deep bonding within intimate relationships. On a psychological level, it's by integrating into the mind the concepts of sex, death, and the taboo. And on a material level, with joint finances and possessions. Trent has has three. Oh, really? Yeah, they're all Capricorn placements. Interesting. So the other thing I wanted to say is if you don't have planets in a particular house, it doesn't mean that that house has no weight on your chart. We all have planets on the cusps, but I'm not going to talk Mm. about cusps because it's very confusing. We'll save it for another conversation. Okay. Sounds good. The ninth house is mind expansion through questioning. So what are we up to? This would be Sag, Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter. This is the terrain of broadening the mind's horizons through interacting with life. The ninth house requires a quest for knowledge, faith, laws, and a belief system. So you can see as we start to work our way up the houses that we move away from the self, and now we're moving outside of the self into more mind-expansive things. So interesting. Yeah? So people who, and we'll get to the twelfth house, but people who are in the twelfth house, which is the highest of the houses, are usually very... Piscean in nature, in that they can be quite spiritual um, mm. in a way that they find it hard to drop back down to the self, to the material world of the first, the second, the third house. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Says the girl with two houses in the 12th house. I mean, two signs in the 12th house. Okay. <laughs> uh, the 10th house, position in the concrete world. So what are we up to? Sag, so Capricorn, of course. (laughs) The concrete world. What what position am I in? (laughs) This is the terrain of contributing to the world at large and constructing your position. It is the path you walk. So 10th house placements are really interesting. Um, I don't have anything of significance in the 10th house. Do you, Hol? No, but Trent has his Venus and his moon. Interesting. So his Venus is... Both of them are Pisces. Pisces. Okay. So this is this is basically the house of purpose. Yeah. Wow. It's your responsibility and your role and your contribution to the world. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the 10th house is how the public sees us, defined by our job or position. Okay. It's the house of status, ambition, and accomplishments. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, the 11th house. Um, the 11th house is ruled by Uranus and uh, the sign Aquarius. Group consciousness and future direction. Hmm. This is the terrains of plans, projects, invention, and future visions. The 11th house is the house of groups, friends, and organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, the 11th house is inventive and innovative, concerned with progress and change the 12th house is ruled by pisces and the planet neptune i love pisces it's the house of transcendence yeah (laughs) this is the terrain of dissolving the ego and merging with universal consciousness wow so they they do say that if you have uh 
a lot of your significant personal planets in the 12th house that you're, you've lived many, many, many lives. Wow. Yeah. The 12th house realm is without boundary or reality. It, it understands only the oneness of all things. It strips away any form of ego control, urging you to let go and release. The problem with the 12th house placements, if people aren't doing the work, is that they, much like Pisces, can become very wrapped up in uh, fantasy and lose touch with reality. Yeah, totally. So... As someone who has her son and Venus in the 12th house, I think my saving grace is uh, my Virgo moon. It brings me back down to earth and my Mercury in Taurus. And if I didn't have those, I think that I would have to do extra work to not like join a monastery or something. (laughs) (laughs) So Trent's Mercury in Taurus is in the 12th house. Yeah. Does does that mean just the way that he, because Mercury is communication, that it's, it's, quite esoteric like I don't I'm trying to wrap my head around what that would mean yeah so it's quite transcendent so um even though he has a Taurus I didn't know he had a Taurus in Mercury even though his Taurus is in Mercury which is quite practical and grounding in the way that you communicate I think the fact that it's in the 12th house so it's the terrain remember I think Mm. it's the dissolving of the ego. So when Trent's communication, communicating, it's never coming from a place of self. It's almost like a a universal consciousness through which he communicates, which is actually quite true for Trent. so true. (laughs) And he's a self-projecting projector. Far out, this man. Okay. I have questions, George. But just before we finish up, the one last thing I want to say about the 12th house is... Um, The house is about, this house is about resolving karma and resonating with your highest intention. Right. So for me with my son in the 12th house, I, my highest intention, according to my natal chart, is about this spiritual connection to universe. I struggle with that in terms of identity. I'm very much about saying, I'm not woo-woo. This is how I can explain it practically to you. I'm just like you. So there's a bit of an identity struggle with me to having my son in the 12th house. Ah. And it's something that I have to work on. And I play it out through my chart in a way that serves me and also happens to serve the community as well. Totally. But I think that if you had a similar chart to mine and you weren't doing the work, then you'd get very lost in this sort of like um, karmic almost lock on you. Yeah. Yeah. My questions are as follows. Okay. I, my houses go up to seven and then stop. Yeah. So I don't have anything above seven. And in the past I've judged myself for that. I've been like, oh, you don't have any of the higher houses Is that how it plays out or is that, am I just reading things wrong when I look at houses? Well, I think that it's a bit of an ego thing. Yes. Uh, But in saying that, like I said, Holly, every house has an effect on our chart. It's just that your planets aren't sitting right in the middle of those charts. Yeah. So the planets are still affected. We're all affected by all of the houses. Yes. Okay. That, no, that, this conversation actually helped me a lot. The other question is one of compatibility because I've not properly looked at my houses with Trent's houses. So I have 
placements in one, two, three, five, and seven, and Trent has placements in one, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. So together we've got all houses covered. Do that? Does that have anything to do with compatibility, or is that just a random thing? I couldn't tell you. I've got no idea. Mm. I just found it really, really interesting. I would say probably not, babe, just because it's, again, it's the where. So it's personal, your natal chart, right? It's where stuff plays out for you. Sure. Okay. Yeah? Yes. That makes sense. So we can also look at the houses by element. Um, and ah. if you're familiar with the elements of the signs that ruled the houses as I was going through them, you probably understand that. But just as a quick overview, we've got the fire houses. So the fire houses are one, five, and nine. They're expressed actively and assertively with an emphasis on exerting energy overtly and independently. So you've got mm. the first house ruled by Aries, the fifth house ruled by Leo, and the ninth house ruled by Sag. The earth houses are two, six, and 10. The earth houses are expressed practically with an emphasis on being useful and productive. Mm. The air houses are 3, 7, and 11. The air houses are expressed mentally with an emphasis on interaction, ideas, and social behavior. And the water houses are 4, 8, and 12. They're internalized and deepened with an emphasis on emotional, intuitive, and spiritual development. I have so much respect for astrologers and natal chart readers and people who have studied this because it is so much more than just your sun sign. I mean, yes, and that's why this fun. is, but yes, and this is why the work that we do on the podcast is very much junk food astrology because it's one thing to say, oh, your rising's in this sign, so it means that, but it depends on the house that it's in, it depends on. Uh, the where the other planets are in your chart. It depends what was square what. It depends what phase the moon was in. You know, there's so much to it. Yeah. And this is why we're always recommending that you get your chart read by a professional because they're going to be able to answer the questions that you're seeking at a personal level, at a level of depth that a podcast ain't going to be able to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so there is one thing that we mentioned last week, Cole, uh, which we wanted to explore a little bit more, and that was the modes. So the modes are based yeah. on the beginning, middle, and the end of the seasons. So when we speak of yes. the zodiac signs, we call them cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Yeah? Mm. So they always move in that order, starting at the beginning of the zodiac with Aries going anti-clockwise around the chart. So cardinal signs are as follows aries cancer libra capricorn sure the fixed signs are taurus leo scorpio aquarius mm -hmm. and the mutable signs are gemini virgo sagittarius and pisces mm -hmm. so cardinal signs are initiating and promoting the fixed signs are persisting and sustaining, and I'm going to throw in stubborn as fuck. The mutable <laughs> signs are varying and adaptable, okay? Ah. So when you look at your chart, and maybe just to make it a little bit easier, we just look at the sun, the moon, and the rising. Mm. Where do you fall in terms of cardinal fixed and mutable hole? So Leo is fixed. Yeah. Libra is cardinal. Yeah, and Gemini is mutable. So you've got all three. I all my three are mutable. So ah. I'm all I'm all variable and adaptable. 
which that's so great is good yes but sometimes this is why I can't stick to the one thing because I just keep adapting to my environment when it's like just be fixed in what you're doing (laughs) interesting interesting Um, but like any other cycle in life there is a circular flow to these modes so we act that's the cardinal sign yeah we consolidate the results of our actions in order to gain security so that's being fixed with something Mm -hmm. and then we learn from what we've done so we can act again so that's being mutable oh my gosh this is so interesting yeah and everyone participates in this cycle of life but our individual birth charts reveal which phases in the cycle are more dominant in this lifetime Ah, yeah. So for you, Hole, you've actually got a lot of mutability in your chart because you've got all those Virgo placements and yes. your Gemini rising. Yes, uh, you've got very little fixed other than your Leo. Yeah, and then you've got a few cardinal. So your Libra, and you've got those Capricorn placements. But I would say the dominant force in your chart is mutable. I can relate to that. When you were describing them all, I'm like, I feel like I'm more mostly mutable. Yeah. So if we compare the modes, say, with the elements, the elements represent the basic energies in the world. The modes represent how they are applied. Okay. Okay. So each sign will have a different element and quality combination. So Gemini is an air mutable Virgo is an earth mutable, Sag is a fire ah. mutable, Pisces is a water mutable, and then we go through it. Taurus is a fixed earth, earth. Leo is a fire fixed, Scorpio is a water fixed, and Aquarius is an air fixed. So interesting. Yeah? Guys, if you're still following along, this is epic because I bet you guys didn't think that it was going to be this much canapé this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you feeling full yet? <laughs> I've got one more fun fact. Yes. Uh, and this is just a fun fact. If you're trying to work out someone's chart and you don't. This is like a palate cleanser. Yeah. And you don't have their time of birth. So what a lot of people don't realize is that Mercury uh, moves at pretty much the same to a similar pace as the sun. So where someone's Mercury falls in their chart will be very close to their sun sign. It's either going to be the same as their sun sign the sign after their sun sign or the sign just before their sun sign. Ah. So, for example, whole your Mercury is in Virgo, which falls just after Leo. Yes. My Mercury is in Taurus, which falls just before Gemini. That's such a fun fact. It is a fun fact. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do with it, guys, but it's been handy it's- for me. I've worked out people's Mercury without knowing it by doing oh that. Oh, my God, that's genius. Mm. Okay, that's a party trick that you can all thank George for. <laughs> Part of what I love about staying at yours, George, is there's always some kind of delicious warm beverage at hand. <laughs> and your reco is going to help other people experience the beverages that I get to experience when I stay at yours. Absolutely. So I came across this contraption um, actually through my friend Erin, who is the queen of making tonics. And whenever I'd go over to her house, she'd have some sort of beautiful tonic, but it was always really frothy, like she was making it on a coffee machine. And I was like, how the fuck are you doing this? And she said, I've got a milk frother. And I was like, oh, no, I've used milk frothers before. Like, they do not turn out like this. 
you know, like you get those ones sometimes that come with the Nespresso machines or you can get yes. the ones from Kmart and they kind of like spin the milk around, but it just gets hot. It doesn't really do anything. Yes. Well, this Breville milk frother is some serious, creamy, delicious, silky froth, isn't it, Holly? <laughs> it's so good. It's literally cafe quality. Yeah. So it's called the Breville milk frother. Now, guys, it's not cheap. They're $150. But I have to say, as someone who has a chai every single morning, it is absolutely paid for itself without me going to a cafe. It makes a difference in the whole experience. Yeah, and the reason it's so good for tonic, so chai is one thing, but if you like to make stuff with like uh, medicinal mushrooms or you like to put collagen in your drinks, you can actually add the powders while it's spinning through the top of the machine and it incorporates them really well so you don't get these like lumps at the bottom or, you know, put cacao in while it's spinning. I made Holly mm. a hot cacao the other day and it was <gasps> so good, wasn't it? It was the frothiest, most delicious cacao. It was so good. Yeah, so I don't know, like Christmas is coming up. Maybe you could yeah. request one for Christmas. I, I honestly, I highly, highly recommend. You've got to use the cappuccino function though. The latte function doesn't cut it. But... um. Yeah. It's actually a really great gift idea for people in your life that you know love to make their hot drinks. Like if someone gave me that, I would be stoked. Yes, I would too. I would too. Mm. And it is, like I said, it is pricey. Like I totally get it. Um, but I've definitely made my money back with it. And guys, not sponsored by Breville. Although guys, if you guys are listening, send us one, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like one. <laughs> great record, George. Holly, what's your record this week? I'm recording an Instagram page that I've found and followed this week, and I'm all for filling your feed with inspiring and uplifting posts that make you feel good. So this account is called Outlaw Poets, all one word. And it's just a collection of people through history, known figures, poets, and their quotes and inspiring words and phrases. Um, So I've got a couple up my sleeve just so you guys can get a taste for what your feed will be filled with when you follow. For instance, there's this Carl Jung quote, your visions will become clear only when you can look into your own heart, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. And another one that I really loved, Henry Miller, the only thing we never get enough of is love and the only thing we never give enough of is love. So it's just really beautiful bite-sized captions and quotes. I'm a fiend for quotes. I'm a fiend for poetry. Uh, The aesthetic isn't that great. It's just black and white photos of the people who have said the words. But if you're looking for something to just create some kind of inspo in your feed, I highly recommend it. It's Outlaw Poets. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Um, and also, with the way social media is at the moment, let's curate a feed that means something. Honestly, that's what matters to me most. I think it might be my Libra moon. I'm like, I just want everything to feel like art. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I feel you. And I don't even have a Libra moon. Wild rogue natal chart coming at you this week, Jordana Levine. <laughs> You're ready for this one. It's so wild. I feel like we had chosen a fun one during the week, but maybe they didn't have an ascendant. Julia Gillard is so fun. Actually, I'm I'm really intrigued about this natal chart because she is a bit different to what we'd usually go and guess, you know? She's a leader, first Australian prime minister. She's just released the book that you mentioned a couple of eps back. 
So take it away, Jord. Guess that natal chart, Julia Gillard. Okay, well, I do have to confess that I'm pretty sure Julia Gillard is a Libra. Yes. Because the reason I know that is I remember when I first found out, I was like, huh. <laughs> 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 and it really stuck with you. Well, it did because I, yeah, I don't know why, but it did because I, I just assumed she'd be a Capricorn. But in saying that, um, since I've heard her interviewed, like I mentioned that Mia Freeman podcast a little while back, she's actually really soft and gentle and beautiful and not what we perceive leaders to be, which, oh my God, mm. that's so sexist, but you know, you know what I mean? Mm. So, okay. So, okay. Let me tune in now. I'm getting, oh wait. So Libra is an air sign. I, I feel like maybe she's double air. She is double air. Okay, so I'm just going to park that for a minute. Double air. Oh, God, I just think it would be so hard to be a female in politics. So Mm. I feel like there has to be some sort of armor. Has she got an earth placement? No. Mm. Oh, God, don't tell me she's got a water placement. Yes. Oh, she's just sensitive and they're so mean to her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Is her water rising? Yes. And I think it's Scorpio. It is. Yeah. Okay. Mm. She has got that intensity to her and she's probably like going inside, being very introspective, which makes her look cold. Yes. But I don't think you're cold, Julia, if you're listening. Okay, so what's her moon? It's an air moon. Libra mm. sun, Scorpio rising, air moon. I mean, since she's a world leader and she wants to change the world, I kind of want to say Aquarius moon. No. Oh, wait, you didn't even give me a chance. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but I guess it's not. Uh, so it must be a Gemini moon or a Libra moon. Oh, Gemini moon. Is it Gemini moon? It's Gemini moon. Wow. Yeah. Do you want to have a go at her Mercury? Because, you know, you've heard her speaking. You've, we've seen her before. Yeah. Taurus? You've seen her before. Great one. Taurus? No. Is it Earth? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, is it air? No. Well, then I don't know. Fire? No. Water? Yeah. No, I don't know then. Scorpio. Really? I don't get yes. that. I know. And her Mars is Libra. It's a very all-over-the-shop chart. Lots of sensitivity. Wow. Gemini yeah. moon, Scorpio rising. That's quite intense. Yes, it is. No wonder she could hold her own, you know. Yeah. That Scorpio rising and her Scorpio Mercury is like. It's interesting, though, Hull, because I, I don't. I don't get strength from Scorpio. Yeah, it's more intensity, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't feel like Scorpio is a sign that can hold itself. Mm. And Libra definitely can't. No, so it must be that strong Gemini moon. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, the way she was brought up and her personality oh, of course. Yeah. and her and, environment. And part of her natal chart as well. Her education. <laughs> Her upbringing. <laughs> Holly, 
We've made it to the end of human design. I can't believe it. Do you know, I know very little about reflectors. I don't know any reflectors and I just don't know anything about them. So I'm so excited to hear all about reflectors this week. I had the best time investigating reflectors because I find them fascinating. Reflectors, I feel like, are almost the enigma of the human design group. Um, Firstly, because they're 1% of the population. Jesus! No wonder I don't know any. Yeah, I know. I have a close friend who is one, and I have had a reading with a client who was one. And yeah, I, I just find them fascinating. I just want to learn everything about reflector life. So the way that reflectors work is their aura is reflective, right? Kind of speaks for itself. So what they do is they resist, sample, and reflect other people's auras. So they're almost like the chameleon of the human design family. They adapt to whomever they're around and whatever environment they're around. So what was really interesting when I was doing this research is For a reflector to thrive, where they live and who they live with and where they work and who they work with are of the utmost importance because they become what they spend the most time with, right? So if you're a reflector and you're working a job with people that absolutely drain you and you just aren't in it, it literally is so taxing. All of the energy centers are open. Nothing is closed. And they're just constantly absorbing, reflecting, absorbing, reflecting. It it feels like it would be an incredibly exhausting position to be in. Uh, and the reflectors that I do know have had bouts of extreme adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue. Now, I'm not saying that that isn't coincidence, but it's just, it, it, it makes sense to me. If you're constantly picking and transmuting and becoming the environments you're in and the people that you're around, holy moly, would that be tiring? Okay, but what about this? What about a reflector that's on their own? Like in the moments where it's just them, whose energy are they reflecting and amplifying? The planets. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And this was what I found fascinating. So I actually pulled a lot of this from the website Genetic Matrix, which I've just recently discovered. It's really, really great. And they said that above all else, above physical environment and people, they are ruled massively by the planets each day what the planets are doing and in particular the lunar cycle jord so for a reflector it's advised any big decision for them to make they should wait an entire lunar cycle Mm. before they make that decision i have read that yeah i just i just blew my mind so they're constantly absorbing and adapting to energy that we can't even see what's beautiful and the beautiful gift in reflectors is other people see aspects of themselves when they meet a reflector. So they're the mirrors, right? And when it's mastered, like when a reflector can really master their environment, who they spend time with, what they're adapting to, then they actually have the ability to be the wisest and most objective people among us. So for them, it really is about taking seriously, who do I spend the most time with? What am I spending my time doing? And how does it make me feel? They thrive in the perfect environment and they become their environment. So it really is about just keeping that in mind. If you know or love a a reflector, then make sure they're looking after themselves in their environment and the people they're surrounding themselves with. I would love to hear from any reflectors in the group. 
I would so love it. My friend who recently discovered she's a reflector is constantly like, um, hello, is anyone else a reflector? Like, let's chat. And she's finding it so hard to even find other people to connect with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I read was that the closest human design type to reflectors are manifestors. How so? Uh, the main piece is in their resisting aura. So they're... Uh, where reflectors resist, sample, and reflect, manifestors resist. They're constantly going, no, no, no. So that's the only similarity. Wow. So interesting. There you go, guys. Did it say what design is best for reflectors to be around? No. So it said that the most similar sign to them is not sign, but type to them is manifestors. Uh, so I would assume that, but I, I mean, don't quote me on it. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> so once again if you are interested in human design we do recommend getting your chart done professionally even more so than your natal chart it's very very convoluted there's this is very surface level we're just talking about types so um there's so much more to your human design chart Mm, that's actually something else to clog your instagram feed with is all of the little snippets of human design readers i love that every day it's so fun You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast or find us in our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show. I think that's it. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. That was so us. Until next week, we're fun and so are you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what's funny? So are you guys. Where the fuck did you pull that rogue outro from? <laughs> well, I just feel like when we say until next week, it's like, what else? <laughs> what, what, what are we though? <laughs> that is uh... so good. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.